Let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. We've been going through the book of Ruth, and we're calling this series Pause. Well, today we're actually going to hit pause on our series Pause because we're going to talk about service. And we're going to talk in particularly about Serve Asheville. Now, uh, for those of you who are new and aren't familiar with Serve Asheville, I'll, I'll describe it in just a minute. But, but have you ever wondered why as a church we do this thing called Serve Asheville? Or like I said, if you're not familiar with it, um, have you ever wondered why the church is always the leader in serving those around them and always promoting service to the communities around churches and, and to the needs that we see in the world. Well, today we're going to find out. We're going to find out why we serve. But first, if you're new here, let me explain what we call Serve Asheville. Now, we intentionally as a church try and serve our community all year long. But what we do is we take, typically, uh, we have taken uh, one weekend, sometimes two weekends a year, to intentionally focus on service. In many ways, we consider it like a springboard into service. We hope there are, are long-term relationships of service that spring out of this weekend of Serve Asheville. And typically, in years past, what Serve Asheville would look like, it would be one weekend, uh, we would take Sunday and do service projects. We would, we would typically not gather together uh, for the teaching of God's Word and, and, and music. Instead, we would gather together, pray, and then go out into the city and do multiple service projects all over the city. And we partnered with other churches in doing this. Uh, at one point, we had 13 churches serving together during that weekend in all parts of the city. And, and it was really cool. And on a typical Serve Asheville Sunday, uh, we would gather together church and go out and do these projects. And, and we would use this phrase that, that we're not taking church off, we're taking church out. Well, this year, as you well know, is uh, anything uh, but typical, isn't it? 2020 is anything but typical. And so for Serve Asheville, we've made some changes, right? We Instead of doing one weekend, Serve Asheville is actually 10 full days of projects. And, and instead of being those projects being just in Asheville, uh, because of this COVID season and, and going virtual, and we've got people joining us from all over the country and, and even different parts of the world, uh, Serve Asheville is now in different countries and different parts of the world. Serve fill in the blank of wherever city or country you're in. And just like uh, we've had multiple churches joining us, we still do have multiple churches joining us because in particular, we're also doing 10 days of prayer as part of Serve Asheville. And we've got churches uh, here in Asheville joining us for those 10 days of prayer. We do have in-person service opportunities today, right after church, but we've also got multiple uh, uh, service opportunities that are in your home or wherever you are. And so it's all different this year. And, and like the rest of things in 2020, uh, in some ways, it's even better this year than it has been in previous years. And in light of everything being different, and considering that we actually just launched in-person services last Sunday, we thought this would be a good opportunity to do something different as well and to go ahead and, and do a message uh, this Sunday since we just launched in-person services uh, last Sunday. So we thought this year could look a little bit different as well. And so it's this great opportunity for us to hit pause and to answer this question, to talk about why uh, we serve as we serve. And so let me ask you, why do we 
as Fellowship Asheville serve those around us? Why do we serve? Anybody, anybody ever really wonder about that? Why we serve? Why do we as the church, why do we as Fellowship Asheville keep asking you as the person who comes and attends Fellowship Asheville, no matter how you're attending it, whether it's virtually or in person, why do we keep asking you to give your time and give your resources to the communities around you? Why is serving one of our core values? Remember those core values, worship, serve, and grow? Why is serve part of those core values? Why are we intentional about service being part of our, our rhythm all year long? Why are we intentionally trying to grow our giving to be 50% of the money that comes into our operational budget go out into the community? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's what we're going to find out. We're going to find out as we continue going out. Because right after uh, this, this service, there's in-person projects happening. Well, today, here's where our text is going to be. We're not going to be in Ruth. We're going to be in Jeremiah. And we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Turn to Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. And let's see what God has to say about this, about serving. And as you're turning there, let me catch you up to how the book of Jeremiah fits into the, the, the story of the Old Testament, right? You, you, let's pick up with Moses. You know, Moses led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And then the leadership of, of the nation of Israel transitioned over to Joshua as Joshua led the, the nation into the land of Israel. And both of those leaders were very wise and godly leaders. And, and after they died, there was a little bit of, of unclarity about what the leadership of Israel was going to look like. And that was this time called Judges, which is where the book of Ruth happened. And Judges simply defines the structure of leadership there in, in Israel at the time, because these judges would rise up and their job was to lead and to guide the nation of Israel. But the people of Israel wanted a king and they kept asking the judges to give them a king. And so God gave them a king. He gave them lines of kings. He gave them Saul as their first king. And Saul, Saul uh, wasn't a great king. Right? He, he was very self-centered in his leadership. And then from Saul, you had David. And David was a really good king. And, 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 and the scriptures say that, that he followed God with all of his heart, but he wasn't perfect by any means. And then his son, Solomon, was the next king. And as we know, Solomon was very wise, um, but he had a divided heart, is what the scriptures say. He, he says, says that he worshiped God, and he worshiped other gods as well. As a matter of fact, because Solomon's heart was divided, the nation of Israel divided. And from that point on, you had two nations under the umbrella of what was Israel. And both of those nations had lines of kings in them. And some of those kings were good, and, and, and some of those kings were bad. But what also happened, and they started during the time of Judges, is God raised up prophets in the land. Now, their job, I love studying the prophets. In many ways, you have like Elijah and Elisha, and they were like the, the Jedi Knights of the Old Testament, right? God would use them in these incredible ways, and they're, they're really great uh, to read and to, and to learn from. But these prophets, as they would rise up in the time of Judges and in the time of, of the kings of Israel, their job was to draw people back to God, both the powerful and the poor, to draw them back to God when they weren't following God. Well, 
the nation still continued to disobey. And as a matter of fact, their disobedience, not only of the kings, but of the, the nation, got so bad that God gave them over to foreign nations. And, and eventually, the nation of Israel was dispersed, and, and, and they were conquered, and they left the land of Israel and, and went to places like, like Babylon. But where they went, the prophets also went. And the prophets proclaimed the truth of God to the people of God when they lived in a land that didn't, that didn't belong to God and didn't have other people that worshiped God in them. The prophets were there to remind people of the God who loves them and to remind people to follow that God. Well, Jeremiah was one of those prophets. And Jeremiah was a prophet to the Israelites living in Babylon. Now, Babylon was about as opposite of a place of Israel as you could get, Right? It was this place of unfaithful people that the faithful people of God found themselves living in. And to those in Babylon, Jeremiah tried to help them answer this question. This question of how do faithful people live in an unfaithful land? Now, for those who follow God, how do they do it in a land full of people who don't follow God? How can Israel be Israel in a place like Babylon? That's a great question. Isn't it? And have you ever felt like a faithful person living in an unfaithful land? Students, let me ask you this. Have you, have you ever felt like you were the only student in your class that believed in God? And maybe for you older students, as your faith has grown, has, have you ever found yourself in a position where maybe your faith isn't shared by your friends? Maybe friends that you've had since you were kids. Maybe your faith has grown and your faith isn't even shared by, by your family. Well, let's see what Jeremiah has to say in his answer to this question. The answer to his question, how do faithful people live in an unfaithful land? We actually find the answer to our question. Why do we serve? Well, let's look at Jeremiah 29 verse 4. Uh, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel. Let me stop there. Some versions say, thus says the Lord God Almighty, the, the God of Israel. That phrase is like the bread and butter for prophets. All right? That phrase, thus says the Lord, it means that everybody should listen because God gave them this message that, that, that he or she is giving to the, to the people that are listening. It is their way of letting those who hear know that, that their words are God's words, God speaking through them. Well, let's see what what God is saying to the faithful living in this unfaithful land of Babylon. It says, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, if your words are a little bit different than what we're typically using, I'm using my old uh, NIV Bible because that's what's at home. My ESV is back at the office and I'm quarantined here. So I'm reading, I'm reading the NIV. But, but here's, I, I want to pause right here um, because if, if you remember um, uh, you know, I said that there were two kingdoms, right? That God, God, because of the divided heart of the nation, Israel divided into two kingdoms, and those kingdoms were, were exiled and sent off, and Babylon was one of those places. Well, here God is letting them know something about their time in Babylon. God says, I have carried you, the NIV says. The ESV says, I have sent you into the land of Babylon. And so to them, here's what it probably looked like. To them, them going to Babylon probably looked like a leader who didn't know what they were doing, right? They just had a bad king, or maybe they, their army wasn't strong enough, or maybe the opposing army was too strong, and that's why they got carried off to Babylon. But God here is telling them something very specific. specific. He's saying, no, 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 I carried you into the land of Babylon. He's saying, I moved you there. 
Now, let me ask you, have you ever had to move when you didn't want to? Right? Maybe your parent or spouse got a, a, a new job and you had to move. You had to leave a place that you loved and go someplace else. Or kids, maybe your parents got divorced and you had to move from one place to another. Let me tell you, God has a plan for you right where you are. And so here's what you need to understand. Is that God has a plan for his faithful people living in an unfaithful land. God has a plan. For his unfaithful people, I mean, for his faithful people living in an unfaithful land. You see, God doesn't have you where he has you by accident. No, he has a plan for you there. By the way, this same chapter, Jeremiah 29, is where a really famous verse comes from that describes where, where God is saying the plan that he has for Israel in Babylon is actually a good plan. And maybe this, this verse is familiar to you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. You see, not only does God have a plan for Israel in Babylon, he has a good plan for Israel in Babylon. And for you, if you feel like a faithful person living in an unfaithful land, maybe you need to see this is how God works, right? That you are right where God has put you, and he has a good plan for you right where you are. And so I could adjust this statement a little bit that we just shared, that here's the adjustment, that God has a good plan for his faithful people living in an unfaithful land. You want some evidence of why God's plan for his faithful people in an unfaithful land is a good one? Well, look at what he says happens in this unfaithful land. Look at verse 5. It says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. And so to the nation of Israel living in Babylon, God, God gives them this command to uh, that they're going to, he lets them know they're going to be there for, for a while. Now this could have, this, this command, this, this, this notion could have brought up all kinds of feelings and emotions for those faithful people living in this unfaithful land of Babylon, because it could have brought up these emotions. Maybe they wanted God to say, actually, don't worry about this. This will all be over soon. I'm going to come rescue you. First thing tomorrow, I will be there. So go ahead and pack your bags and get ready. I'm taking you back. Maybe they wanted God to say, hey, don't worry, I'm going to get you back home as soon as possible. Because see, when you're a faithful person living in an unfaithful land, you really want to go home. Right, kids, and even adults, maybe you remember this. Do you remember spending the night at someone's house? And maybe it was more than one night, maybe it was two nights, and you would get this feeling in your stomach. Right, This homesick feeling in your stomach, that's what it feels like to be a faithful person living in an unfaithful land, is you get homesick. You get sick for something else that's not where you are. And here God tells them that this land they're living in, this unfaithful land of Babylon, they're actually going to be there for a while. Now, as disappointing as I'm sure this was for the nation of Israel, I think it's also this great gift. I think one of God's greatest gifts to us is time. And he's telling them, I'm giving you time there. And you see, church, I think it's important for us to see this because 
we need to know that God has us right where we are, right? My best count is it's been a little over 2,000 years since Jesus died, and the church has always looked for his return. Why? Because we want to go home. But God has given us time here because this is where God wants us. Now, if you're going to join us for the Facebook Live right after this, I've got a really cool story about the mayor of Asheville, uh, Terry Bellamy, when she was mayor that happened on a, on a, a day of prayer that we had with her. And, and, and I'll share that story on Facebook Live. But, but let's adjust our statement one more time because it says this. Let's adjust it this way, that God has a good and long plan for his faithful people living in an unfaithful land. God has a good plan, and it is a long plan for his faithful people living in an unfaithful land. But why? Why? Why would God have his people live in this unfaithful land for so long? Well, let's, let's read and find out. Verse 7 says this. It says, But seek the peace and the prosperity of this city I have carried you into exile. And so if you have an ESV, it says, seek the welfare of the city. Now, this word welfare is the word in Hebrew called shalom. And shalom is one of those very important Hebrew words. And shalom, what does it mean to seek the shalom of the city? That's what God's telling them to do. Shalom means peace, and it means welfare. And it means this complete wholeness, goodness, fulfilled. And it's this great word that takes this idea of as it is in heaven, so it can be on earth. That's what shalom is. Shalom is when, is when earth begins to take on some of the qualities of heaven, fully understanding it won't ever be heaven. But it begins to take on those qualities of, of peace and goodness and mercy and justice. And, and as it is in heaven, so it can be on earth. That's what shalom is. And so, so why is Israel in Babylon? Because God's love is for the nations. God's love is for the world. And by Israel being in Babylon, they get to take some of this God-directed goodness that they've learned from God and share it with Babylon. This joy that they have from God, they get to share it in Babylon. This peace that they have from God, they get to share it in Babylon. And so by doing that, they actually get to make Babylon a better place because they're taking the shalom that they've received from God and sharing that shalom with Babylon. Now look at how they're to do this because this is fun. In verse, the rest of verse 7, the next chunk of verse 7 says this, Pray to the Lord for it. And so how are the people of Israel in Babylon, the faithful and unfaithful land, how are they to bring God's shalom to that land? They're to pray. Now, Jesus took this idea and he expounded on it. In Matthew 9, uh, it, it tells the story of Jesus looking across the, the, the crowds, right? And he has compassion for the crowds because he sees their brokenness. He sees their hurt. He sees, he sees their pain and their confusion. And he sees in them this lack of shalom, right? And then he tells his disciples this very famous line. He tells the disciples, listen, guys, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send workers to send laborers into the harvest. Now notice whose harvest it is. It's the Lord's harvest, right? The Lord owns it. Just like the Lord carried Israel into Babylon, the, the, the Lord owns this, this harvest that Jesus is talking about as he looks across these crowds of people. And you notice what he says the disciples are to do. They are to pray. 
They're to pray. Now, now, Jesus does something else really cool here too, because at the end of chapter nine is where this happens. And he tells them, look at the crowd, look at the harvest. It's plentiful. Here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to pray. Guess what he does at the beginning of chapter 10? Like a few verses down, he sends them into the harvest that they just prayed for. And so guess what, guess what that means? He sends them out to minister to the people that they prayed for. Jesus asked them to pray for the people that they would soon be serving. Prayer and serving. Pray for the people because you're about to serve those people. Because you see, God's heart hasn't changed from Jeremiah to Jesus to even today. Right? God asks us to pray for the places that we live because we're going to be serving the people in those places. You see, the place we live is the place that we serve. And here's why. When you, when you pray for those around you, here, here, here's why I think God says pray, and I think Jesus says pray, is, is because when you, when you pray for those around you, you begin to see them as God sees them. And so, so what happens is prejudices and stereotypes drop, and you begin to have compassion for the people that, that you're praying for. And when you have compassion for the people that you're praying for, you begin to see ways that you can help, ways that you can get involved, ways that you can serve. You begin to see needs. Right, And as you take those needs to God, what I love is when you pray for those around you, you begin to see what, what is your part in bringing shalom to those people, bringing shalom to that place? What is, what is your part in doing that? And you begin to see where you can contribute. Now, if you're an organizer, here's what it means. It means that you begin to see places that need organization. Right? If, if you're a connector, you begin to see needs that you can connect to resources and people that you know. If, if you're a teacher, you begin to see places that could benefit from instruction. If you're a leader, you begin to see places that could grow from clarity. You begin to see confusion, and you're like, man, I can, I can bring some clarity to that. You see, this is what serving is. Serving is simply caring for others in the unique way that God has made you. That's all serving is. Serving is caring for others in the unique way that God has made you. Some of you love to cook. And I would dare say it is a spiritual gift of yours that you love to cook. And whenever we have opportunities for you to cook and to make food, you know, like in the deepest part of your soul, that is your place to help. That's what bringing shalom is. It's the unique way God has made you to meet needs of others and to care for others. You see, praying and serving allows you to see your place in making an unfaithful place better. And so let's adjust our statement one more time, that God has this good and long plan for his faithful people living in an unfaithful land for the good of the unfaithful land. But there's good news to this. There's still a little bit left in verse 7. Look at this, because that good isn't just for the unfaithful land. It says, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You see, as the unfaithful land gets better, because, because the faithful people are taking the shalom from God and sharing it and making this unfaithful land a better place, as the unfaithful land gets better, the faithful get better. As the unfaithful land gets more shalom, the faithful people, the people of God, they actually find more shalom as well. And so let's revise our statement one more time. 
But God has this good and long plan for the faithful people living in an unfaithful land, for the good of the unfaithful land and for the good of the faithful people. So, all right, y'all, little, little pop quiz here. In that phrase, what word, what word um, is repeated the most? Or what word is highlighted the most, I should say? It's the word good. You see, God has a good plan, and it is a good and long plan for the people of God who are living in an unfaithful land. And that good and long plan is for the good of the unfaithful land and the good of the faithful people. And so, church, why do we serve? Let's answer our question, the question we asked at the very beginning of this message. Why do we serve? We serve because God is good. And he wants his goodness to become a part of every place where faithful people live. You see, we serve because our city needs more good, and we serve because we need more good. And so let's bring this home a bit. Are you a faithful person? In Scripture, here's what that means. It's easy to say, I'm a faithful person based on what I do. That's not a scriptural definition of a faithful person. A faithful person is based on what Jesus did. Do you have faith in what Jesus did for you? That's a faithful person. Have you said yes to Jesus' death and burial and resurrection for the payment of your sins so that you can have this good and right and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who made you? That's what a faithful person is. If you haven't said yes to that, then maybe today is the day you take that step to become a faithful person in saying yes to Jesus and placing your life in his care. Now, for those of us who have done this, let me ask you this. Where is your unfaithful land? Where does, where does our good God have a good plan for your life to bring good to those around you and to benefit you as well? Now, maybe it's raking leaves today right after the service, and you're going to walk over to Oakley Elementary, and you're going to rake leaves, and, and, and you're going to do it because we've asked you to do it, and you're going to do it because that's part of a relationship that we have with Oakley Elementary, and that is great. Maybe there's other ways you can connect on our website. We've put together a huge list of service projects. You can still do that. But y'all, what if, what if you joined us in that 10 days of prayer? Today we're on day four, and but you can start, you can start on day one and go back, look on our website, look on our social media feeds, and you can see those days. But I have this idea. What would happen? What would happen if the church, everyone who calls Fellowship Asheville home, prayed for the same thing every day? What would happen if, if, if we prayed for our nation and prayed for our city and prayed for the needs of those around us? Maybe that is one of the first things you can do as a faithful person living in this unfaithful land is pray and pray and see what God connects you to because that may be the place that he's asking you to serve. So I hope that you'll join us in prayer. Let's see what happens if an entire church prays together. And church, I love you, and I love being the church with you. Thanks for, for dealing with me and Siri popping in and, and all the things that happen when you're recording the message out on, your, out on your patio. I love you, and I'll see you soon. Let me pray for us. Jesus, um, help us to bring your shalom into the places that we live. Help us to bring your goodness uh, to those around us, your peace and mercy and justice to those around us so that you may get the credit for it and you may get the glory for it. Give us specific ideas on how to serve and give us the energy to do it. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Bye, y'all.